I am awake now, um, as, as is everybody else. Um, well, good morning. We are in the second Sunday of Lent. If you look around the room, I am so thrilled um, that Scar- Scott Erickson um, has donated all of his uh, large print arts to us, um, quite a few different art series. Um, if you get an opportunity, please take a moment um, to look at it. This one's calling Hear the, Hearing the Voice of God, um, and hopefully uh, it will drive you into a deeper place um, with Jesus. Um, we are in the book of 1 John, and there's a lot to cover, um, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, so just an overview of the book of 1 John. Um, there's an intro, there's a conclusion, and then there's these two themes that are in the middle of it, uh, themes about this is what the message is, it's light and love. And it's known as um, an epistle or a letter, but it's actually just kind of this like poetic sermon. And just like good poetry, it's all over the place. Um, and, and so that's why uh, I feel a little frazzled with the text, and we're going to do lots of different things with it. Um, today uh, because it's it's poetry pretty much um, he talks about in a lot of a lot of contrasts and a lot of hyperbole um, so there's light and dark and truth and lie and death and life and love and fear and today our text is going to be focused around love and fear um, Frederick Beekner famously said that in order for the gospel to be good news, it first has to be bad news. Um, So last time I preached, I was all cheerleader, encouraged, lift up, and right now I'm going to start us off with fear. Um, (laughs) My apologies. So if we think about fear, if we think about what makes us afraid or who makes us afraid in, in order to help us love better. Um, I, I hope that I can um, happily touch on everybody in this, which means that I might slightly offend everybody in the next moment. Um, so if this was our fear box, and if we we're going to fill our fear box, maybe there's hopefully one thing in here that um, you can connect with. Women, men, people of color, white people, immigrants, colonizers, mental health, the medical system, prisoners or ex-offenders, people who discriminate, perhaps maybe we'd put in like police or law enforcement there, promiscuous, people who are prude, partiers, the Pharisees, conservatives, liberals, Trump supporters, anti-Trump, white supremacists, Black Lives Matter protests, people of other faith, people of no faith, evangelicals. You're supposed to laugh at that one. That was a little funny. Um, The cool kids don't like me. This is also for the school-age kids and for us as adults, right? Um, That this is our box of fear. And the interesting thing is that Jesus, if we look in the scriptures, if we look at Jesus' life, did not our Jesus love all of these people? What if our love box contained all of those who we are afraid of? Right now we are in a a pandemic, uh, which means that globally our world um, is being impacted by coronavirus. 
Um, and as a result of the spreading of this virus has also spread fear. And fear has spread hate and xenophobia, and particularly to the Asian community, um, not just in America, but all around the world. Um, and so I want to take a moment uh, to look at this video. And this is the awkward fear of just looking at the word coronavirus for a an awkward moment. <laughs> While we do this, I would do a little cheerleading right now. That would. There we go. The growing number of infections, the coronavirus is spreading fear and discrimination against Asian Americans. Restaurants and other businesses in cities from New York to California have reported big drops in sales. We're also learning about reports of racist incidents at hotels and bullying of Asian American students. Weijia Zhang visited a struggling Chinese restaurant in New York City. Weijia, what did you learn? Oh, good morning, Anthony. It is clear that Asian Americans are facing discrimination over a disease that does not discriminate. The CDC says Asians are not more likely to contract or spread coronavirus than anyone else. Politicians are now working to combat racism, but one restaurant owner we spoke to said the damage is done. How has coronavirus impacted your business? Tremendous. Kin Lam's family has owned a popular New York City dim sum restaurant for more than four decades. You've been through SARS, you've been through swine flu. Yes. Is coronavirus different when it comes to business? Yes. And then when you talk about swine flu and H1N1, we didn't feel anything at all. Lamb says he's lost $1.5 million and business is down around 50%. What do you think the reason is? The reason is because Chinese started the, the coronavirus, but they just scared to get infected by Chinese people. And they think Chinese people Has are at a Chinese restaurant? Yes, yes. And it's not just at restaurants. You haven't heard of the coronavirus? So what does that have to do with those? Last month, a man posted videos on Facebook that appear to show employees at two hotels in Indiana turning him away. So no agents can stay here. Why is that? Because of the virus. CBS News reached out to the alleged victim but did not hear back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, which owns both hotels, said in a statement they are deeply troubled by these incidents as they are not reflective of our values or our expectations of franchisees, and they're treating this matter seriously. The racism has also surfaced in classrooms. In Madison, Wisconsin, school officials say there's been comments made toward Asian students, and they're working to stop those responsible. And really uh, seizing that moment to educate that student uh, so they, you know, understand that their words um, have meaning and, and can be hurtful. It's not just in the U.S. Asians around the world have reported discrimination linked to coronavirus. He shouted, um, I don't want your coronavirus in my country. Jonathan Mock is a student from Singapore studying in London. He told the BBC he was walking down the street last week when four people attacked him. It's such a serious problem that has plagued us for a very long time. There's also been apparent attacks in New York City posted on social media. Yo, yo, 
Peter Ku is a councilman in Flushing, Queens, a predominantly Asian neighborhood. Asian Americans are just like other Americans. Uh, we are all susceptible to virus. In other major cities across the country, politicians have tried to combat racism and misinformation. There's been a lot of xenophobia against folks who are part of our Asian community. Showing support at rallies and by dining in restaurants. But Lam worries the road to recovery is a long one. It sounds like Corona is crippling businesses. It's crippling it communities. It is. Do you think the damage is done? The damage is already done. It's already done. Lamb told us business continues to drop every day, and he doesn't think they have seen the worst of it yet. The New York State Assembly just passed a measure that allows the governor to direct emergency funds to small businesses impacted by coronavirus. I, mean, I, I, I agree with that sign. Fight the virus, not the people who have yeah. it, because yeah. that's all of right. us. Right. You know? It's so right. important so that you're doing this story, though. We should let people know that this is happening and that it really is not okay. Well, the community feels like, you know, they're fighting two diseases here. Exactly. The disease of corona, but also bigotry. Yes. And I really feel for those young kids, especially who are Americans that are being made yes. to feel like the other. Yeah, Luigi, thank you very much. Thank you. That's some bad news. Um, and the good news is, is that God's word has something to say about it. God's word is clear um, about fear and hate. So if you will with me, um, it's a little bit of a lengthy passage. Um, if you are able, you stand with me as we read God's good word. And if you get tired, you can sit down First John 1 John 1.6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, here, I'm just going to read because it's really long. Um, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk or live in darkness, and that word darkness means the absence of God, that God's hope, God's saving hope is going to come. We lie and do not have, we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies or cleanses us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and God's word is not in us. My dear children... Actually, the translation is little children. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. God is the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Dear friends, the translation is also beloved. Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed God's love among us. God sent God's one and only son into the world that we might live through God. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and God's love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in God and God in us. God has given us God's spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent God's Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence, boldness on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made in perfect love, is not, not made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. The reading of God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Any of you guys doing standing uh, things on your watch. You got your standing points for that. So a little overview of what's happening in 1 John, what's happening in the church. Um, there is a lot of division and conflict and crisis in the church, and there are some Jewish Christians who are leaving the church to return to the synagogue, what was familiar and comfortable for them, rather than remaining in the fellowship um, with Gentile Christians. There is also an imperial cult that worshiped the emperor Dominitan as Lord and as God. There are also some Gentile Christians that were being encouraged to assimilate to the world in order to escape their suffering as an identity as a Christian. They began to teach that Jesus didn't suffer and was only just a spiritual being and not in flesh. There's all these hierarchical issues that are kind of going on, power issues at the time. There's a church leader that we're going to talk about later who loved to be first. And so John writes this letter or this 
poetic sermon. The last two, 2 John and 3 John, are more like letters to the elder, but the first one's kind of this poetic sermon. And he's writing to the church, insisting that they obey Jesus' command to love one another, to repent of fear, of hate, and of darkness, and that loving one another will ultimately be the thing that will make their joy complete. So this is a lot of scripture, um, and so I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out how to help you guys kind of piece all of this. So there's these, lots of these if-then statements in the beginning. It's kind of if-then and then a little sum. So I made some if-then, then some charts. Um, so claim fellowship, walk in the darkness, we lie, do not live out the truth. We, we walk in light, we have fellowship with each other, and then we are cleansed from sin. We claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, then God is faithful just to forgive, and then we're cleansed. If we claim not to have sin, we make God out to be a liar, and God's truth is not in us. And so I kind of drew out what, um, how to kind of piece together this poetic piece. So sin being center and then the scripture inviting us to confess. And if we confess, God forgives, he cleanses us. The truth is in us. We walk in the light. And the result, the fruit, is that we have love, fellowship with God, fellowship with one another. But if we sin and we claim that we don't have sin, we don't confess, then we are deceived. We lie. There's no truth in us. We don't live in the truth. Then darkness, we walk in darkness which is, leads us to fear and moves us to hate, uh, to hate God and one another. Sin is disobedience to God's commandment, God's commandments to love God and to love one another, our neighbors as ourselves. And so... I haven't done the whiteboard thing in a long time, but Maggie brought it back. She went old school, so I thought I would bring back a little whiteboard. And I know the, tr I know the troubles with, white with whiteboard, whiteboard Stephanie, is that you guys can't all see it, and I apologize for that. But this is a passage that was just kind of too hard to explain. Oh, you guys can't see if I turn it like that. You guys remember the SNL skit? Hello, my name is Simon, and I like to do drawings. Anyways, that's how I feel right now. Okay, so, so we're gonna, we did the first part of the passage, um, and now we're going to look here, starting um, in John 2. Um, I'm sorry, in 1 John 4, verse 7. So he says, Dear friends, um, beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Um, so there's a sense of, we'll start here. Oh, wait. Sorry. We're going to start with love. And then we're asked to love one another. Because love comes from God. I'm going to use, well, that's too confusing for you guys. I'll just do that. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you love, you've been, you're born of God. And I love, I love this image of, of born, of birth, right? There's this like mother, mothering image of God, of that God saying, I am bir- you are my child, I have birthed you. Um, and this also means that you, you know God. Whoever does not love does not know God. So on this side, if you don't love, then you don't know God. Because God is love. And this is how God showed God's love among us. So how does this happen? We're kind of asking this. How? God shows his love in this. That he sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. So he sends Jesus. And there's a sense of sending. And that the fruit is that we would live in God. This is the atonement. This is the forgiveness of sin. trying to make sure I'm catching my spot. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, so since God loved us, the fruit is, is that we ought to, again, this comes back, love one another. No one has ever seen God. Let me do a little eye. Oh, that's a funky eye. Okay. Here's our eye. So, they said, No one has seen God. But if we love one another, back to here, God lives in us, back here, And God's love is made complete in us. This is going to make sense, hopefully, in a second. (laughs) This is how we know that we live in him, in him and us. So God... Oh, wait. I'm not going to do that one. And then John says this. I thought this was really interesting. And it says, but and we have seen. Remember, they were actual witnesses to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It says, we have seen God. 
So no one has seen God. You guys haven't seen God, but we actually have seen God, and we're testifying that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Back to here again. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them. And you in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God. And God lives in them. Are you guys following this? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's okay. Um, This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are to be like Jesus. There is no fear in love. This is our fear car. Because perfect love is going to drive out the fear. This over here is our sin cycle up here and down here, right? The, pic- the drawing that I did earlier. Up here is love, and down here is where we continue to live in fear. The one who fears over here is not gonna be complete or made perfect in love. We love not because we loved God first, but that God first loved us. You guys know that we talk about shalom a lot. The word shalom meaning peace or totality or completeness, right? Can you not see God making shalom and completeness through our love, our confession, and our ability to live in God and how is it that people will see God God people will see God by how we love right because God lives in us that was an experiment if that didn't go well my apologies I won't do it again um But to give you a point of like spending a little bit more time with this passage together, 
um, that it is kind of poetic and all over the place, right? But you see how it's always kind of wrapping itself back and coming back around. And I think that that is a little bit of that shalomness. I think it is a little bit of that completeness of going around. The summary, I think, is, is that because God loved you first, that loved us first, that we ought to love one another. And that word ought is actually defined as obligated. We are obligated to love one another. As the readers of this church are receiving this um, poetic sermon and these letters, it was very difficult. I explained kind of what was going on at the time. So we get into 3 John, and there's this dude named Diotrephes, and he is a leader and elder, and he's basically rejecting anybody who is associated with this other person that he doesn't like. Does that ever happen in our world? Does that ever happen? Um, well, the core Christian value was to love one another as self and to practice hospitality to strangers was a huge part of that. So John begins to commend the church. He says, yeah, y'all were faithful in your love. I even heard about it all the way out where I am. You guys welcomed brothers and sisters who were strangers to you. Um, but this dude, this guy, the Diotrephes guy, you know, he couldn't even be associated with others who associated with someone that was connected to someone who he didn't like that thought differently from him. And he writes this, 3 John, verse 9. I've written something to the church. Ugh, but Diotrephes, oof, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority so if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing and spreading false charges against us and not contend with those charges. He refuses to welcome the friends and even prevents those who want to do so and even expels them from the church. So he's not just not welcoming people. He's actually prevent, using his power and authority and his leadership to actually prevent other people who want to be welcoming and loving. And he's also expelling people from the church. He says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. So why don't we love one another? Why is this so stinking hard? I think we forget how loved we are. I think that's the root of a lot of it. Why don't we love one another? We forget how forgiven we are. We will know how loved we are when we remember how forgiven we are. The key to all of this is confession. I think that first step of if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. Luke 7, tell, Jesus tells, I mean, the scripture talks about the story of Jesus and this woman. This woman comes into Simon the Pharisee's house. Um, the whole town knows who she is. She's this really, really sinful woman. And she goes in with this alabaster jar of perfume. It's a year's worth of wages. And she stands behind Jesus at his feet, and she's weeping. 
you sense this sense of confession, right? And she begins to wet his feet with her tears and her hair. She begins to wipe them. She'd been kissing Jesus' feet and pouring her year's wages all over him. And the scripture says that when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. What kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. That's what the scripture says. Isn't that funny? Hey, Simon, I got something to tell you. <laughs> two, two people owe money. One person owes 500 denarii, the other 50. Both were forgiven of their debts. Which one do you think will love more? And Simon replies, you know, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus says. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't even give me any water for my feet. And she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, her own body. You didn't give me a kiss. And it wasn't coronavirus. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't even put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, and church, if you perk up a little bit, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Much forgiveness breeds much love. Little forgiveness breeds little love. So why don't we love as God calls us to? I think there's that disobedience, um, you know, basically sin. But I also really want to spend time looking at um, that we walk in a lie of fear. question is, is that we all know that we have fears. I have fears. You have fears. Um, that sounds like a cheer now. We all have fears. Um, but how are we to be free from our fear? How can we find freedom? And it's love. Because love is what liberates. Love is what sets us free. I'm going to take a moment. I have another video um, uh, of Maya Angelou um, talking about love. I think Emma's got it up. Video? Yeah. Oh, I am grateful to be, have been loved and to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. Love liberates. When, uh, when my son was born, I was 17. My mother had a huge house, 14-room house. At 17, 
I went to her and said, I'm leaving. She asked me, you're leaving my house? And she had living help. I said, yes, I found a job and I've got a room with cooking privileges down the hall and the landlady will be the babysitter. She asked me, you're leaving my house? I said, yes, ma'am, and you're taking the baby? I said, yes. She said, all right, remember this. When you step over my door sill, you've been raised. You know the difference between right and wrong. Do right. Don't let anybody raise you and make you change. And remember this, you can always come home. I went home every time life slammed me down and made me call it uncle. I went home with my baby. My mother never once acted as I told you so. She said, oh, baby's home. Oh, my darling, mom's going to cook you something. Mother's going to make this for you. Love. She liberated me to life. She continued to do that. When uh, my son may have been five years old, my mother uh, would pick him up all the time and feed him. And I went to her once a month, and she would cook for me. So one day I went to her house, and she'd cooked red rice, which I loved. After we finished eating, we walked down the hill, and she started across the street. She said, wait a minute, baby. I was 22 years old. She said, wait a minute, baby. You know, I think you're the greatest woman I've ever met. She said, Mary McLeod Bethune, Eleanor Roosevelt, and my mother, you're in that category. Then she said, give me a kiss. I gave her a kiss, and I got onto the streetcar. I can remember the way the sun fell on the slats of the wooden seats. I sat there and I thought about her. I thought, suppose she's right. She's intelligent. And she's, she says she's too mean to lie. So suppose I am going to be somebody. She released me. She freed me to say I may have something in me that would be of value. Maybe not just to me, you see? That's love. God is like Maya Angelou's mama. A home that you can come back to when you have failed and life makes you scream uncle. When you need to maybe confess your sin or just life has pressed you down. And God is this God who comes and lifts you up and forgives and reminds you that you were birthed by God. You were born of God. You're a child of God. God is your mama who sent her one and only begotten son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for your liberated love. You can go back to Jesus to home over and over again? And does God come and receive us and judge us and point us down? No. So we need to be more like Jesus to ourselves and to one another. I love that she said, 
I remember the day, I remember the light that was going through the panels on the streetcar when I was 22 and my mama told me that I was great. That encouragement, that lifting up, right, that we've been talking about. I remember that exact moment and I began to think maybe she's right. Maybe there's something true. Maybe there's something in me that I have to offer. And church, I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up to tell you that there is something not little but tremendous that lives in you. It is God. And God is love. Love lives in you. God's spirit and love lives in you. You have something in you worthy to be given, to be sent out into this world of darkness and fear. God was sent, Jesus was sent, and God lives in us because God is love. So if God is love, then love was sent. And love lives in us. And love is what we get to send. Amen? And then Jesus tells this woman who is gossiped about and probably mistreated as the town sinner. And he looks at her as a person of holiness and authority like no person of holiness and authority filled with love has ever probably in her life. And with great dignity, he says, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests begin to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus says this to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Go in completeness. Go in wholeness from your brokenness. Go with love. And now as I have been sent by the God of love, I, the God who is named love, am now sending you. Go out. Because love liberates. So how do we love one another? I'm going to close up. Confession of fear and hospitality of love. I want to take us a moment just for a second. And I love that this series um, that Scott has up here uh, is the hearing the voice of God, but it starts with honesty. So if we could just take a moment to be honest and take a moment with our God who is love. You need not to fear God in that way of punishment. But God who is love, who or what do you fear? Who or what do you fear? How has that impacted your interactions and your relationships and the way you respond to people, how you treat one another?
Are you moving closer in love or farther in fear? The word xenophobia actually is translated literally fear of stranger. And 1 John gives us the good news that if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just, a God of justice, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. The Greco-Roman world gods, little g-gods, were acknowledged as just and holy, but not forgiving, (laughs) never forgiving. Our God is a forgiving God, amen? It It is God's nature, slow to anger, quick to forgive. And God is just. The Septuagint, the the Greek translation of the Old Testament, where it says keeping steadfast love is actually translated keeping justice. God is faithful and just because justice is the opposite of evil and sin. The one who fears is not made complete in love, and the one who is forgiven much loves much. But we can't be forgiven much if we are not practicing confession. We cannot be forgiven much if we are not practicing confession. We need to confess often. There is no shame in it, especially if you're confessing to God. God is love. God will love you and forgive you. If xenophobia is the word fear of stranger, the word hospitality is feel philo, xenia, the love of stranger. Hospitality is the translated love of stranger. And in order for us to become a church that lifts up and liberates, we confess our fear, our hate, our sin, so that we are filled with forgiveness and we lead with love. We have an opportunity next week as we host Mending Wings, um, 24 Native American youth. Um, to come into our church. And I want, I so pray that uh, what the result would be from them being with us is what 3 John writes. Um, The book of 3 John writes, Dear friend, you were faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they were strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they were sent out, receiving no help from non-believers. We ought, we ought, therefore, to show hospitality, love of stranger, to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Amen? That is my prayer and hope, not just for next Sunday, but every Sunday and every day in the week. Um, I recently met with uh, our community group leaders. Um, we asked those questions of uh, what, what is it that is most meaningful or transformative when people have been in community groups? And so much of it has been 
coming to a safe space, not feeling judged, feeling known, feeling loved over and over and over again. And that is our prayer and hope for us here at West Hills. We also have another opportunity um, to support Chinese and Asian businesses um, as a real uh, kind of, in a sense, resistance against xenophobia um, in our city. And these are some of the, the businesses that have been most affected. I know Beatrix got two family members that own two restaurants, Mas Master Kong and Good Taste. Um, so there's a little plug there. Um, but opportunity to, um, to do that, gather your friends. Say, hey, let's all go out in a sense of resisting against xenophobia and let's go eat some Chinese food together. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, that sounds so good. Um, we, we have a value of being a multi-ethnic church, but we live in southwest Portland, y'all. Um, it may not physically actually ever look that diverse um, because of the nature of Portland, but we can always be anti-racist. Amen? So let me pray as we welcome up um, Lance and Lindsay back up. We're reminded because God first loved us, that love was not first in our heart to love God. That God is love. It's, it's not that God is just loving, but he embodies what love is. Our mama God who birthed and created us calls us children, gives us a new identity, who forgives us of all of our sins and all of the sins of the world. May that love liberate us. May it liberate others. May it liberate Portland. May it liberate America. May it liberate the whole world. May we live life loved and we live life liberated. And may the world see who God is by our love.